If you have your Bible today, I would ask you open with me to the book of 1 John. We'll be in 1 John chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 3 in just a moment. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. And we're going to continue our series that we've been doing on a test that we can apply to ourselves to see whether or not we truly are saved. And the Apostle John, uh, as, as the inspired writer of, of Scripture here, um, he uses a variety of language and pictures to describe this, uh, this idea, this, this theme. And, um, and, and really, whatever, whatever language he uses, they all have the same basic idea of, are you really saved? That's the question you need to ask yourself. That's the, uh, that's the grid that you need to uh, run your life through in all these different tests. Are you really a believer? Are you truly a Christian? Now, uh, today's test is what you might call the moral test. Uh, it's, it's whether or not we are obedient to Scripture. And again, the focus is not so much on what a person's profession is. Now, it is important to make a correct profession, but the, the, the focus here is not so much on the words that we use and, and what we claim, but rather in what we do and how we live. Now, it's important... This is an important question to us. Is It was important to John's first readers, but for a slightly different reason, because back then... There was a group within, uh, within society, and, and many of them got into the church, called the Gnostics. You may have heard about the Gnostics before. They claimed to have a special knowledge of God. And, 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 and they thought, and, and they taught, and they, they proclaimed, they professed, that if you wanted to really know God, you had to be one of them. They had this esoteric, special knowledge, and so they were, they were the end guys. You, you had to be one of them to really know God. If you wanted to be holy... You had to be one of them. And so John is saying, you know what? It's not the claims that, that folks like the Gnostics and others are making. It's, it's not just the claims that people that you see in the community or, or, or here in the church or, or even, even your own claims. It's not about what you claim, but it's about how you live. The proof, again, is in the pudding. And so what he does is he says we need to do more than just listen to the claims. We need to examine the fruit of people's lives. And, and that includes our own lives. And so... Uh, with that in mind, if you have found 1 John chapter 2, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's Word, uh, if you're able to. And we'll pick up in verse 3 and read down to verse 6. John says, By this we know that we have come to know Him, if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His Word, in Him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Thank you. you may be seated. What you see in our text, so there are really just two points. The first one is the main one. And the first thing I want you to see is that obedience to Christ shows that you know Him. Obedience to Christ shows that you know Him. Now, if you look back at verse 3, John explicitly gives a test by which we can know that we know. Now, one of the main themes of 1 John is that we can know that we know, that we can have assurance of our salvation. And here he says explicitly, this is a test that you can know that you know Him. And I want to highlight just a few things. First is that we can know that we know Him. In other words, the Christian life does not have to be a question mark. It can be, it can be an exclamation mark. It, and when it speaks of knowing Him, John is talking about having a real, vibrant, connected, vital connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's, it's about a relationship here. 
thing. Christianity does not consist so much of knowing about Jesus. It consists more of knowing Jesus. It's not about knowing about Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. What's the, pers- what, what's the difference? Well, a person can read all kinds of Christian books. They can sit under biblical teaching. They can sit under biblical preaching. They can read the Bible. They can go to seminary. They can go to conferences. They can go to Sunday school. They can go to church. They can be grown, uh, raised in a Christian home. They can do all these things, and they can know a lot about God. They can kill it in Bible trivia. I mean, they are the guys you want on your Bible Jeopardy team. You can know a lot about God and not know Him at all. There's a difference. And those of you who have had a significant other for a long time, you understand this if you think about this in relationship to your significant other. Because think about back in the olden days when you were still sweet on them. And, and, and boy, when you started getting interest in that person, what did he do? You started talking to your friends. You started talking to their friends. You started paying attention to all the details. You knew what kind of cologne or, or, or perfume or whatever it was that that, 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 that sweetie of yours wore. You knew, where they, you knew what their favorite color was. You knew all the details. You knew what they liked, what they didn't like. You knew the movies they, they watched. You knew the types of TV shows they watched. I mean, you knew all the facts, but you didn't know them very good. But then after you became engaged or, or dating for a long time or, or maybe you've been uh, married or whatever it is for 5, 10, 20 years, whatever it is, even longer, all of a sudden you don't just know about the person, you know the person. So now it's not just, well, I know what kind of perfume or or cologne they like i know how they're going to act when i tell them this news it's not just i know these facts about this person i know what time they like to get up and what time they go to bed if they're a a morning person or a night out it's more than that it's i know what makes them tick i have that relationship with them and that's what that's what i'm talking about john is telling us that we can know jesus it's not just we can know about jesus that's good to know about him. It's good to know the, the parables that he taught and, and, and things like that. But he says that we can know that we actually know him, that we have that relationship with him. But that just kind of begs the question, why, do, why, why would we need to even apply a test to know that we know him? Why would it be even a question whether or not we know him? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that if you've ever questioned your salvation. I'm not going to ask you to, to identify yourself if, if you've ever struggled with assurance because probably all of us have at some point. Because what happens many times in the life of a Christian is they'll, they'll get saved, they'll have a religious experience, and then all of a sudden, I mean, they're on fire for Him. All that they talk about is Jesus and going to church and God's taught me this and I read the Bible and, and God, God opened my eyes to see these things and all these, all these wonderful things. But through time, we start to cool off. Because what happens is we, we, we still look at our life and, and in many ways we're, we're in a similar boat to what we were before we got saved. Because we still have the same struggles with sins. We, we, we still have temptations. We still fail and we still sin and we, we do all these things. And before too long, we begin to look at our life and we begin to say, I don't even know for sure if I was really saved in the first place because if I was, then why am I still dealing with this? Or why has this part of my life not changed? And John says emphatically, if you look at verse 3 again, he says, by this we can know that we've come to know him. So how do we do that, John? We'll look at verse 3. If we keep his commandments. Now notice, now this, this may seem pedantic, but it's not. When you, I'm going to hopefully explain. He does not say, if you 
He, he, he does not say, we come to know Him if we do His commandments. He says if we keep His commandments. So what's the difference? You can have a moral outward conformity to the law of God. You can do the, you can do the things that Christ commands outwardly and still not be doing them from the heart. I mean, the, the, the Pharisees were masters of this, right? I mean, back, back in the, the New Testament times, Jesus interacted with all these guys that were religious. You looked at them, they made these, these, these fancy prayers. They, 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 they talked pretty when they talked about God. I mean, they, they, were, they were conscientious about how they tithed. And, I mean, all this stuff. And you look at them and you'd say, those guys had it figured out. Those guys were living right. Outwardly, they looked good. But what did Jesus say? They, they, they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. And so the, the difference here, when He says keeping that, that you keep the commands of Christ, the, the idea of, of keeping here in, in the original language has the idea of guarding, like a military installation. It, it, it's, it's like if, if you have some valuable possession, it, you, you protect it. You look to it. He says you give hearty acceptance to the commands of Christ. It's obedience, but it's obedience that comes from the heart. Now, what did Jesus say in John chapter 14 and verse 15? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John says the, the, the way, the primary way, if you want to know, if you want to see, if you want to verify whether or not you are in Christ, if you, if you want to have assurance that you know Jesus, John says, Look at how you live your life. The primary way that you can have assurance of salvation is that you keep the commands of God, that you keep the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he uses a different image of this idea earlier in chapter 1. We read it a couple weeks ago. He talks about living in the light. It's the same idea. It's just, it's just from a little bit different angle. Now, if you're like me and you're like your neighbor, you might look at this and you might get kind of anxious and you say, well... I'm glad he's given us a cut and dry way that we can know that we're really saved. But when I look at my own life, many times I fail to do what God says to do. I mean, the, the simple commands of Christ sometimes we don't do, right? We, we, we do things he says don't do and we don't do things he says to do. In other words, we sin. So how do we, how do we mesh these two things together? Well, certainly this is not telling us it's okay to sin. He's saying this is what you should do. You should, you should keep the commands of Christ. But look back at chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, I've written these things so that you might not sin. This, that's the goal. And if you do sin, because we're going to, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We looked at that last week or the week before. In other words, this is not an expectation of sinless perfection. There was one who was sinless. There was one who was perfect. And that was Jesus. That's who we're trying to copy. But you ain't him. And so, so when we apply this to our lives, the question is not, am I living a sinless life? Because the answer to that is no. If that, was, if that were the standard, none of us could have assurance of salvation. The question is, do you strive to obey Christ or not? Because if it, to obey God is an unnatural thing for us to do. Because the unsaved person, the, the unsaved man, the unsaved woman, they revolt against heaven's king. And so John says, if you want to know that you truly know Christ, look at your life, do you keep the commands of Christ? Now, if you look back at verse 4, he goes on to apply this test, and he first applies it to the person who makes a profession that they know Christ. 
they say they've come to know him, and yet, John says they do not keep his commandments. He says that person is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, this is not the first time that John has said they're liars. He, he says it a number of times, if you make this claim, but then this is the reality, you are a liar. And notice these folks are not deceived. They're, they're not being deceived by somebody else. They're not being deceived by themselves. They are, they, they, they're making a profession. They know it's not true. They're making a false claim, and therefore it's a lie. The truth is not in them. They don't know the truth. John says don't go to them to get the truth. But then he says, on the other hand, there are those people who when you, when, when, when you look at their life, their lives don't match their talk. That, that person, you, you, need to, you need to not go to them for the truth. You need, not, you need to recognize who they really are. But then in contrast, he says, there are people who do, who do keep his word. And he says, in them, verse 5, whoever keeps his word, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. Notice a couple things. First, not everybody who claims to know God is a liar. I mean, we, we, I, think, I think we all easily recognize the fact that John says that uh, not everybody who claims to be a Christian is, is telling the truth. I mean, that's, that's obvious. There are people that are false professors. We know that. But don't get the idea that he's saying, you know, just, just, just the 12, our four and no more. That, that's all that's really Christian. Everybody else is on the outside. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there are, there are true, authentic, genuine Christians and, and, and there are many of them out there. But notice also his wording change. Look at verse 5 carefully. He doesn't just say, you, you keep the command of Christ. But what do you say? Well, or what does it say? He says, you keep his word. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, word is more encompassing than commands. See, the commands are the positive teachings of Scripture. Jesus says, do this, don't do that. But his word really encompasses all that he taught, all the principles that he laid down, all the lessons of the parables, all these things that he taught. John says, if you keep his word, not just the commands, but all of it, when, when you do that, that's when you know that you're really a Christian. Third, he says that the person who does this, verse 5, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. Now what does that mean? Well, grammatically... And remember, we have to understand the way that it was written. Grammatically, it can mean three different things. And John doesn't give us, he doesn't tell us which of the three. Grammatically, it could refer to the love that God has for us. In other words, if, if this is the way that he means it what, it, would be, what it would mean is that the end goal of God's redeeming love has been perfected, has been brought to completion when we love and, and when, we, when we love others and when we keep the word of God. Second option is it could refer to the love that we have for God. The love of God. We, we love God. And if this is the case, it's saying that the person who loves God is going to seek to please him. Or it could be speaking of the qualitative love of God. Now, of the three grammatical choices, I think the second option fits the context the best. And I think what he's saying is, if you love God, you will seek to please Him in all your life. You're going to seek to please Him in keeping His commands. You're going to seek to please Him in, in keeping all of His word. Then your love for God will be brought to completion. It will be maturing. It will be growing. And I believe that's what he's, what he's getting at. Now in verse 6, and here's the, sec here's the second and last point. 
John concludes by giving a summary statement that really ties all this together. And, and really, it's the end of verse 5 and, and all of verse 6. And here's the last thing I want you to see, that we, we will walk, if we're truly a Christian, we will walk as Jesus walked. We will walk as Jesus walked. And I'm not talking about in sandals. And I'm not talking about being a homeless, itinerant rabbi. That's not what we have to do. Now notice there, there's a careful distinction here. And it may, it may seem like I'm splitting hairs, but I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to rightly divide things. I believe there's a, a distinction that he makes. Because he doesn't say simply to imitate Christ. Remember at one point, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and that is a good and right thing to do. But that doesn't seem to be John's focus. Instead, he, he says, if you abide in him, if you keep his word, if you stay vitally connected to him, like a branch does to the vine, what's going to happen? You will bear much fruit. You'll have that vital living relationship with him. And out of that, you're going to live as he lived. You will follow in his steps. In other words, and, and I, if, if you've tuned out, tune back in. These are not commands to keep. They're an example to follow. These are not commands to keep. They are an example to follow. Jesus' life is how it looks when we live these things out in a natural way. Have you ever been in a church service or been done Bible reading or something, and you see something, some area that you need to grow in. Some, I mean, the, the, the Word of God says this, and you realize you haven't been doing this, and so you're going to focus on doing this better. And let's say it's, uh, let's say it's talking to others about Jesus. And you know that you need to do it better. And so what do you do? You're like, God, let me, let me just have an opening. And then even if you don't have an opening, if the door's not open, you're going to kick it open. I mean, you, you are, you're, you're subtle like, like the guys that are coming in doing a, a no-knock entry on, with, with a police warrant. I mean, you're just busting the door down, and you tell them about Jesus, and then you're like, oh, no, this is uncomfortable, and you get out. That is, that's kind of the way that we do sometimes. And it's not just with telling people about Jesus, but, but sometimes we, we, it's not natural because we're, try, we're, we're trying to force things. And what this is saying is, it needs to just be an outflow of our lives that we live the way that Jesus lived. It's an example to follow. Luther rightly pointed out, it's not the walking on the water that we're called to do. It's the walking just through daily life that we're called to emulate. It's not the walking on the water. It's not doing this miraculous stuff. It's just the day-to-day living out your faith. We need to love God and love people. And that's really the, 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 the essence of, of much of Jesus' teaching. Love God and love people. Now this text is, is short and it's sweet and it applies right where we live. How can we know that we know God? John says very simply, the way that you can know God, that the primary way that you can have assurance of your salvation is do you keep His commandments? Because to know Him is to love Him. And to love Him is to obey Him. Now again, this is not requiring sinlessness, but it is requiring obedience to the Lord. So do you strive to please God in your daily walk, in your daily life, in the business dealings that you have, when you're at work, when you're dealing with your family, when you're driving around the jerks on the road, when you get behind the, 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 the person 
who clearly does not know how to count in the express lane at Walmart. And the, they, they have the sloth from, from uh, Zootopia working behind the register. And you're in a hurry. Are you living out your faith then? These things are, again, it's, it's not this outward conformity, but do you keep his commandments? Do you, do you, do you keep his word? Not perfectly. But do you try to keep his word? Because if not, the Bible says you don't know him. That's not Jeff's words, that's John's words. He's inspired. But listen, if you don't know him, you can today. You can put your faith in Christ. And I would encourage you, if you've never done it, trust him for salvation today. Repent of your sin. And if you do know him, continue to strive to know him more, to please him more, to, do, to keep his word better. Regardless of what your feelings are, trust and depend on the objective reality that your obedience shows that you're a Christian. Because sometimes, again, we, we, we look at our lives and we say, well, I don't feel saved. I understand, but feelings don't determine truth. What does Scripture say? Do you trust it or not? Do you believe what the Bible says or do you not? Because keeping the word of Christ, keeping the commands of Christ, shows that we know him. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? And as you stand, I ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want to uh, encourage you, ask you to take an honest stock of your life. Do you know Jesus Christ in a personal saving way? Not have you gone to church, not have you been confirmed, not have you been baptized, not have you shaken the preacher's hand, not did somebody sign your Bible? Not any of those things. Do you know Jesus in a, a real, living, personal, saving way today? How do you know? Are you walking in the light? Do you confess your sin? Do you recognize your sin and confess it? Do you try to keep the commands and the word of God? Not are you successful 100% of the time. But do you love the do you, do you love the, the commands of Christ? Do you obey them from the heart? If so, if that's if you're questioning your faith, that shows not not this is not Jeff's opinion. This is what God says. This is how you can know you're a Christian. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help each of us today to take stock of our lives and let us know if there's any sinful, wicked way in our hearts. Let us know if we don't know you. And God, I pray that, um, that you would bring conviction on, uh, on our hearts if, if we are lost today. And God, I pray that you bring 
assurance of salvation if we're saved. And let us trust in that, rest in that, and, and move ahead with you. God, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.